I say? Happy New Year to those I haven't already been able to touch base with and pray that God's blessing will be on you individually and on us as an expression of his love here in the community of Bentley. Um, just ask that blessing. Now if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6. Part of the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Um, Well-known sermon that uh, Jesus um, spoke to the crowds that were gathered. And so we're going to be reading from verse 25. It's headed, Do Not Worry. And um, just to preface these words, this begins with, Therefore. And I want to say to you, anytime you see therefore in scriptures, ask why it's there. Because it's always referring back to something, and so there's something you need to bring into what's happening here. And if I can summarize in a couple of sentences, we can't read these verses without noticing what the previous verses say. In verses 19 to 24, Jesus says we must make a choice between treasures on earth and treasures in heaven, between darkness and light, and between two masters, mammon, material things, and God. And only then, when we've made our choice for our heavenly treasure, for light, and for master God, does Jesus instruct us on how to behave. Therefore, now you've made a choice for me and my light against these other things, do not worry so we've made a very distinct choice to be god and remember that amongst the crowd that was there hearing that were his first disciples who often didn't know what the next day was going to bring and where food and clothing and stuff was going to come from so it's a very powerful word to them but i believe it's still a powerful word uh, to us today so matthew 6 verse 25 Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour? to his life and why do you worry about clothes see how the lilies of the field grow they do not labor or spin yet i tell you that not even solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these if that is how god clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith so do not worry saying what shall we eat what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Some of you have probably heard this little unknown piece of poetry. Said the robin to the sparrow, 
I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and hurry so, said the sparrow to the robin. Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. These anxious human beings. Worry, stress, tension, anxiety. Although these words have different shades of meaning, they are often used interchangeably to describe one of the most prevailing characteristics of, the 20, of 21st century human beings. Psychologists have called anxiety one of the most urgent problems of our day. It has been termed the official emotion of our age. If you're not sure, just go onto the ABC online and look under health news and you will find hundreds of articles on anxiety in our society from just the last two or three years. It's boom time. And although anxiety is as old as human existence, the complexities of the 21st century, the massive changes going on in our society, the bewildering array of choices, the technological age, the pace of modern life has alerted us to its presence and even increased its influence. And for me, added to this, it's not surprising that in an age of increased godlessness, there's also increased anxiety. I'm pretty safe in saying this morning that most of us here this morning have experienced anxiety at some time or other, have experienced worry. May have been over employment issues, family issues, over dieting and health, over finances, over friends, mortgages, Getting older, someone said getting old is not for wimps and I'm beginning to believe them. And then we add to that terrorism, sexual abuse, poverty, the environment, the climate crisis. And you know that anxiety can be stubborn. There's a Swedish proverb that says, worry often gives a small thing a big shadow. With this unknown statement, worry is like a good rocking chair. It will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Therefore, says Jesus three times, do not worry. Now the same, there's, there's one word that's used in two different ways in the New Testament and I just want to do this because I think it's really helpful. It's used as a healthy concern. So sometimes you read worry in the New Testament but it's actually that healthy concern. And so we have one, in 1 Corinthians 12.25 we have Paul talking about the fact that he now calls us the body of Christ. You know, he uses all the imagery, head, feet, toes and all the rest of it. He gives us gifts and all of these are to be used so that we can build up the body of Christ and make it strong. And as he says this, in the body, its parts should have equal concern. That's the word worry. Should have equal concern for each other. I can't miss this opportunity to say I see that evidenced in this congregation that you have concern. Worry for one another, a rightful thing. Just one more, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, 28, Paul is defending himself 
against criticism about the way he goes about things. And uh, in it, he talks about all the persecution and stuff that he suffers for being a missionary for Christ. And in, the, in this, he says, besides everything else, and he's referring to all of that, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches my rightful concern and worry for them. And so what did he do? He wrote all these letters to the churches that he'd established to keep them going. It's a very positive thing. So it's perfectly legitimate for us to take thoughtful concern for our health, for providing for our families, for, for our work life, and so on and so on and so on. There is a right New Testament attitude towards that. But Jesus is talking about the other way this word is used here in Matthew chapter 6. And it's called anxiety or worry. And the root meaning of this word from the Greek language is to be anxious, to be distracted, to have a divided mind. So the mind's going this way and that way and every other way. It's divided. It, it can't take a step. Our English word worry comes from an Anglo-Saxon word to strangle or to choke. <coughs> Our relentless worries make us uneasy. They can get a stranglehold on us and literally cut off the air supply that allows us to breathe emotionally. They steal smiles from our faces. They pickpocket our peace and kidnap our joy. Just one other example in the New Testament. Matthew 13, 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns. So it's an interpretation of the parable of what I call the soils. You'll know it as the sower. And there's this seed that falls in pretty good soil, but the weeds grow up. So the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries. There it is. The anxieties of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it making it unfruitful. The anxious thought and care of things of the earth that crowds out the things of heaven puts us in dangerous territory. That's why Jesus says three times, do not worry, it's dangerous territory. And in verse 30 he says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, we'll get there in a minute, which is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus calls those who entertain worry and anxiety and hang on to it as people of little faith. That's that's a big call. That's a serious call. Can I summarize the meaning of faith in the Gospel of Matthew, 28 chapters, by one sentence? Faith in Matthew means the confidence that God can and will act on his followers' behalf. In other words, that God is in our daily lives working and acting. That's faith as meant by Matthew. Without that, without that kind of faith that God's here at the everyday level, however much a person may believe intellectually, I believe God, they are for practical purposes faithless. Because they can't trust God in the everyday. So you can be saying, I believe God, and be absolutely sincere. 
But this faithlessness that's talked about is an inability to see and know and believe that God is acting in your daily life. That he's actually, not just in your mind, your intellect, I believe, but he's actually in your heart and your soul. It's an inability to see the Father's supply of grace to us in the now. Paul talking about his legitimate and healthy concern for the churches. I just mentioned that. I know what that's like as a pastor to have a legitimate and healthy concern for you, even though I'm only temporary. I know what that's like. But I also know what it's like when that healthy concern turns over into worry and into anxiety. And what happens when that happens is I believe God, but I'm saying, you're not working here, God, and I take the care of the church into my own hands and put the headship of the church on my shoulders instead of leaving it with Jesus. And so I have anxiety and worry. And I've had to learn to deal with that over the years. How big of me to think that I can do what God's already doing. And for me, I've put a spiritual director and mentors around myself to help me deal with with those kinds of issues in my life so that I stop carrying the life of the church on my shoulders and can have a healthy concern and so pastor much better. So worry and anxiety keep us from living our lives to the fullest. Worry wastes a lot of our emotional energy. So Jesus says three times, I'll keep repeating it, do not worry. And then what's he say? Look at the birds of the air. See how the lilies of the field grow. That's his advice. These words, look at and see, they're two different words, but they have the same meaning. And it means to consider something really carefully and attentively. So it's not saying, oh, there goes a beautiful blue wren in my backyard. It's actually watching attentively. Why? So that you can gain some kind of understanding of what's going on. So it's more than a glance. It's another way of saying meditate carefully on the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. It's saying be realistic with your thinking. In this case, by observing nature. Smell the roses. Look at the birds of the air. There you have it, a biblical mandate to join the bird-watching club. A little laugh there, but maybe there's a lot of truth in this. had a friend who was diagnosed with um, mesothelioma. Uh, this is 20-odd years ago. I hadn't been at Les Murdy very long. He was in the small group that I was a part of, not leading, just a part of it. And um, he'd just, just been diagnosed and one of the other blokes in the group was talking to him and found out that on his bucket list was the desire to go gliding. He wanted to go gliding. He was in his early 60s. So us other three blokes in that small group took him to Beverly and shouted him to his bucket list gliding out at Beverly. I'm not going to get through this. <laughs> One of the most amazing days that I've ever experienced. As we took him out there, he was still well. He only had three or four months to live. 
And we all had a go in the glider. And it's absolutely amazing because we all got thermals as we were there. And you just sit in the glider. We were given the controls to just ride these air currents up and up and up. No noise, nothing. It is just stunning. And all of us had the privilege of seeing on other thermals, guess what? Wedge tail eagles. Wings out like this and riding the currents up and up and up. And then you'd see them occasionally just, just do this long dive down, spread out their wings and hit another current and up they'd go. Look at the birds of the air, said Jesus. We were all standing around the car ready to go and we were just remarking and talking about our experience and every one of us mentioned the eagles. And then it was my friend who had mesothelioma. I'm pretty sure it was him. He said, you know that passage in Isaiah 40, and I haven't got time to read it this morning, but tells us that young men and old men can grow weary and faint and the pressures of life cause us to become weak. It says there that if we have faith, we can soar on the wings of Eve. He said, I want you guys to pray for me. This mesothelioma's got me. I'm dying. But I want you to pray that in this I'll have strength to rise on the wings of eagles and ride this out well. And he did. If you can have a good death with mesothelioma, he had it. He looked at the birds. See how the lilies of the field grow. Back in the mid-80s, when I was really struggling in pastoral ministry and burning out, went on a five-day silent retreat in the Adelaide Hills in spring. And the idea is it's silent for 24 hours, over mealtimes, everything. I went away with eight other Baptist pastors, so you can imagine how hard it was for, not, for us not to talk to each other for five days. But each day we met with a spiritual director in the morning who would just listen to what's going on in our hearts for about 10, 15, 20 minutes and then say, look, I think this passage or that passage of scripture will help you. Um, they were actually all Catholic spiritual directors that we saw. And on the third morning, I was given the passage that we've just read, Matthew 6. And I was in a state, I, I was double-minded. My mind was going to the left, to the right. I could not, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't anything. I couldn't think of anything, slow down. My mind, as I said, was a whole lot of monkeys in the tree of my mind, just chattering away. And I read that passage, because so, we didn't have books and stuff to read. We had our Bibles and a notebook, and that's it. And nothing happened. And early that fourth morning, I went for a walk out into the bush around, which I'd done every other day. And as I went out the main gates of the retreat centre, I saw something I hadn't seen the first three days. This amazing patch of wildflowers. Ten square metres? I don't know, something like that. Maybe, maybe a bit bigger, 50. And I stopped. Oh, wow, look at that. Anyone who knows me know I love wildflowers. 
I hadn't seen it for three days. And I stood there and looked at it and looked at it and looked at it. And there was spider webs all through it and dew on the leaves and the more early morning sun shining on there. There was just all these little rainbow droplets all over, the beautiful flowers and leaves. The flowers, I, how do you put those clashing colours together and make it look so amazing? The shapes, the sizes, and I stood there and stood there for something like 15 minutes. And I was thinking, what's all this about? And I could feel my mind just slowing and slowing and slowing. And then I went, oh, God put these here. I should have picked them up and taken them into an art gallery because they'd have won the prize for the best. Really would have. So amazing. And as I reflected on the lilies of the field, God spoke into my heart, I've got the church, I've got you, I am active in your daily life, start looking for me and stop being the big kid that you can't be. Attentive and careful observation of the birds and the flowers teaches that God's sovereign care can be trusted, the birds of the air. But more importantly, that his special fatherly love and grace is in our lives, the flowers of the field. They just turned up a month later, they were gone. We'll be there next year. Trust is that whole head, heart, soul. It's the whole being that connects with God. Be still and know. I think this passage is saying something similar to us. Slow down. Step out of the traffic, it says in the good news of Psalm 46.10. Maybe this is a year where we need to stay. Step out of the traffic. Cut a bit of the rush. Start doing some very, very good reflective thinking about our lives. And let God speak something into our hearts that actually makes us real practical believers. You see, as you do this, you will discover as the writer, as Jesus said, that you are more valuable to them. He said, look how God looks after them. How much more does he look after you? It just goes on into infinity. When I consider your heavens, the psalmist is looking at the stars, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, even the son of man that you care for? And sometimes when we're in trouble, we think we're... A pinprick that God doesn't even notice listen to what the psalmist says you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor that's you and me sometimes we need to pause and reflect and let it speak to us you made him ruler over the works of your hands oh lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth yes you put all that there but i'm valuable to you from the lesser birds and plants to the greater us Whatever you have done, whatever others think of you, whatever grade you've got from other human beings, please let me tell you this morning that you are valuable to God because that is the biblical stance and he's at work in your life. 
From our observation of nature, we need to reflect more carefully and think more realistically to help us cope with worry. Most anxiety is a distortion in the way we think, a divided mind. And if you need help to get a re reality check over your thinking and your mind's divided, bring in some trusted friends. Open it up to your small group and let them pray with you and hear the anxiety. If you're one of those who actually struggles with anxiety that is more of a clinical nature, please see a counsellor so that they can help you reflect more carefully. All that I'm talking about this morning will help, but you may need the extra. Worry is neither constructive nor positive, the stuff that Jesus is talking about here. It doesn't seek a solution. It limits itself to just mulling over the problem. Be careful and realistic about your thinking. And then Jesus nails it in verse 33 when he says, seek. It's actually continuous. Go on seeking. Not once, every moment of every day. Go on seeking first his kingdom, his right way of living, and all these things will be added unto you as well. This is the climax of the passage. The sole priority of those who've chosen God over manum, light over dark, and Christ over riches, our sole pr pr um, priority is to devote our energy is to make the kingdom the centre of our lives. To make the kingdom the centre of our lives. Why are you working? Why am I doing this? It's to experience the rule of God fully in our hearts and our lives so that we can live this out in our marriages, our families, our workplaces, before our neighbours in the community of Bentley and let God add to us what he needs to add to us. Let's make our focus living out the values of the kingdom. And God adds often what we've been worrying about. Worry is often focused on attaining our goals, getting what we want out of life new home a better car a bigger holiday nothing wrong with all those things we should have concern about caring for ourselves and our families and what's around us but when we make that the focus let's seek the kingdom of god and then the passage ends with this, which I think is just so brilliant from Jesus. Therefore, I've told you all this stuff. Therefore, see, go back. Do not worry about tomorrow. <laughs> I wonder how many are sitting there today, right now, got an anxious turmoil about tomorrow. Don't worry about it. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The message puts it this way, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Warren Rearsby, well-known preacher in America, said this, It is often said that we are continually being crucified between two thieves. Got the image? We're continually being crucified between two thieves. The regrets of yesterday what we didn't do right, what we didn't do well, where we... You know what I mean? We live between that and the worries about tomorrow. And we let them spin 
I, I think it's an amazing image of what happens to us as humans. I've experienced it all too often to know it's true. Anyone can fight the battles of just one day. It's only when you and I add the burden of those two awful eternities. Yesterday, you can keep going back and back and back and back to your failures. And the awful eternity of tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. It's when we just focus there that we break down. God will help us deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. You may find this helpful. I just found it. I did, I did find it really interesting because I walk my worries with Jesus every morning. I heard about a guy who had so many things to worry about. He set aside one day each week in which to worry. As worries came to him, he wrote them down and put them in his worry box. Then on Worry Wednesday, he pulled out each worry and read it and discovered that most of the things he was disturbed about had already settled themselves or had been taken care of in some other way. <laughs> Find that interesting. Let me wrap, you up, wrap this up with some wise words from the prophet Jeremiah. Not a very successful prophet. Had the message of repent to the nation. They never turned back to God and they got carted away, remember? His own family threw him into prison. He was beaten and all those sorts of things. Just looked like a failure as a prophet. And he's writing his lamentations, his reflections on, so doing what Jesus said do, reflect on it all. And in Lamentations 3.21 he said that in the midst of all that went on he said, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning great is your faithfulness i say to myself the lord is my portion therefore i will wait for him the lord is good to those whose hope is in him to the one who seeks him we have an opportunity in a moment to actually just put all our gaze to him and seek him afresh this morning as he's just poured out everything reckless love for us that we sang earlier may god bless you in this new year and maybe it's the year to slow down see the birds watch the flowers grow